And welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast. And today we are celebrating Judgment Day. We are recording this on 828, but it will be posted on 829. This is Terminator 2 Judgment Day on the Heart God Media Podcast. We have, of course, Brian C. Tyler, Eric Scott Tyler, and Sean Henderson. Let's dive into this amazing film, shall we? Everyone say hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. All right. Terminator 2. We just covered Terminator last month. Then we did Lost Boys Legacy Week. We had a little bit of a hiatus. And uh, we are back. It is officially Judgment Weekend. It's Judgment Day. 8-29-1997. At least 2020 feels a lot like what Judgment Day would be like. So uh, a follow-up to 1984's James Cameron's The Terminator. One of... uh, the most important films in the world, and uh, may I say, in the history of film, this may be the most important sequel in all of film. Oh no, I agree. What do we th- What do we think about those sediments? Uh, yeah, I would say probably one of the greatest, the greatest sequels in history for sure. I mean, I think there's probably a good majority of uh, fans of the Terminator who maybe even would put this above the original, and that obviously doesn't happen too often. So. And uh, I believe I am one of those people. Uh, but we will. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive right into this uh, this magnum opus of a film. So it gets released July third, nineteen ninety one, six seven years after the release of the original nineteen eighty four James Cameron's Terminator. And this is, uh, we obviously have returning faces, Arnold reprising the role as a Terminator, a little bit of, diff- of a different spin, of course, Linda Hamilton reprising her role as Sarah Connor, a new face, a fresh face, a face that's better than Edward Norton, it's Edward Furlong, <laughs> as the one, the only John Connor, the goddamn savior. Well, we all know that you hate Edward Furlong and you love Edward Norton, and you compare them constantly. Never, I've never done that. You I was say, when has it ever happened? It did. You guys know about American History X? Eric said that. No, Eric said that Edward Norton has way better films than Edward Furlong. I said he had a deeper discography or, or filmography, I should say. He's had more success as an adult. While Edward Furlong has had more success as a child. But regardless, yes. Uh, Brad Fidel returning, rehashing his uh, a newer version of the score as well. James Cameron obviously returning to direct. And uh, Stan Winston returning as the, uh, the special effects guru. Now this film is huge. It was a huge leap for the... Uh, the beginnings, the big, the big boom in CGI for really legitimate CGI, and we were discussing as we are finishing watching the film again, each of us for the nine hundredth time, I'm sure, um, that it uh, the effects in this 1991 film look better than ninety percent of the genre films that use CGI from that point going forward throughout the 90s. The 90s were just there were some of the worst atrocious CGI ever. 
Oh, yeah. Like we said, the Power Ranger movie has the worst CGI ever. Yeah, they wanted the James Cameron budget and the guys who could do that, but they got literally, like... I don't know, the guys that worked in the little, like, store that sold old Nintendo games in Canastota <laughs> as their graphic designers. If I was gonna be honest, I would say some of the worst CGI I've seen was, like, between 2000 and 2004. You think, they think worse than, like, mid-night, mid to late 90s sci-fi, though? Well, it depends. Like, think about Terminator 2 and, like, Spawn. Like, the CGI in those movies was used very effectively and it looked like how cgi should look and then i think the more they tried with cgi and then tried to replace things that didn't need to be cgi which started happening in the 2000s yeah it's uh then it really started to get ugly yeah it really did but uh so the the movie well let's start before we dive right in and we run through the film um and we're just going to keep this pretty free form. I took notes, just little pinpoints that we want to discuss. But this is very, uh, you know, a, a fan episode where we just fan out about this movie because we all love it so much. Now, when was the first time everyone remembers seeing it? For myself, I'll go first. Uh, after doing some research, and re- I knew that the the extended version came out on home video in 1993. So that was probably around the time I saw it, because that was the first time it was released on home video was 1993, about a year and a half or a little bit more, because uh, that's how long it took for movies to come to VHS back then. And I remember my fifth birthday getting a bunch of Terminator toys because they were amping up for the VHS release. So there was the big like 12 inch scale Terminator that like said his eye like lit up and he said some sayings and... And there was a lot of 1993 branded Terminator stuff for amping up the release of the film. And uh, and it came out in January, I believe in January 91. So that makes sense. My birthday is in February. Right. So I have a distinct memory of watching this. And I remember staying up later and watching Full Metal Jacket for the first time. Not really obviously understanding it, but knew it was like super like, it just kind of weirded me out. You watched that stuff in what year you said? No, five years, my fifth birthday party, I remember this. Those, it's some of the first, like, really true memories I have. That explains a lot, actually. About <laughs> that you saw that in, what do you say, Apocalypse Now at five years old? So No, not Apocalypse Now. What did you say? Full, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, well, that, uh, yeah, that explains a lot about you. So <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, five years old. I mean, I, w- I wasn't getting a lot of the uh, jokes on Private Pile, of course, but late- <laughs> right. But I imagine at five years old, when you hear about the better side of you slid down the crack of your <laughs> mama's ass, is probably. <laughs> yeah, you probably. I mean, that would have warped my mind at five years old. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but what about you guys? Was the first time you remember watching T two? First time I watched T two is probably when I first watched the first one. I bought the. Uh, well, my mom bought the VHS tapes, both of them on Ames. Nice. That's how I Was it like a two-pack? No, she bought them separately. They were separately? Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is how you brought up, uh, what was it, Eric? I did not say anything. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is how you brought up Terminator for your birthday. One of my birthdays is I had Terminator 2-themed uh, party plates with uh, Toxic Crusader uh, plates as well. Nice. What about you, Brian? First time you remember seeing T2. First time I saw it in full was in 2003. 
Nice. Sean, um... Was that before you were going to see Rise of the Machines, I'm guessing? Shortly before, probably. Sean showed me his VHS tapes, and we we watched those. Sean nice. introduced me to the Terminators, the Aliens, the Diehards. So you should probably be nicer. You should probably be nicer to him, then. I think I'm pretty nice. Hey, I'm just kidding. I'm just oh, kidding. Your, your cast that I promised you for the Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. That there just became an interest on that since you outed that Sean showed you Terminator <laughs> 2. Um, what about you, Eric? Do you remember the first time that you saw this? Yeah, I think it was right, it was around 94, 95. I was 9 or 10. My my cousin David, who I was really close with, he was a couple years older than me, um, used to hang out with him a lot. He uh, was a big fan of... Uh, he showed me a lot of the movies like this. He was a huge fan of... Terminator and definitely watched him at his uh, place, which is my aunt and uncle's place. Uh, I obviously remember being blown away because I think like up until that, I'd never seen anything like that, like we were talking with the special effects and stuff like that. So, and like I, I, like I said in the previous Terminator, I, I saw the second one before the first one. So, yeah, I, de- I definitely as well saw T2 before the first Terminator. I probably, honestly, I probably didn't see the first Terminator until like, I don't know, maybe five or six years later, and and I was just like, oh yeah, I'll check it out, like because that's how great T two was, like, like you didn't even think about it, like it's just Terminator two, Judgment Day, like I I don't know, it's just it's like you, we've said, and we're gonna get into like our little testimonial about why it's such a great movie and and why in some fans' eyes it, it has surpassed the original, but we'll get into that later, anyway. So we have the intro where Sarah's kind of explaining what's happening uh, in this post-apocalyptic world. Amazing imagery of, like, skulls just, like, on the fucking, like, similar to the first one, obviously. Yeah. Like, But, like, uh, obviously, you immediately see, like, the upgrade from 84 to 91. You could see it's it looks better, it's clearer. And I think it is the intention that the original Terminator probably would have had at the time. At the time, had it you know the adventure, advent, the advent of like better cameras and, and things like that. But we were saying this: the 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 glory kind of the original is it, it feels so punk rock. The original yeah, Terminator, it's raw and gritty. Yeah, really raw, really gritty. Feels like a like a punk rock film house type. Feels like it could be ran back to back with Chud. Yeah, you know. And this one looks more polished and clean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Be ran back to back with Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we get the intro. Sarah's kind of breaking it down, and we get the the new rehashed version of Brad Fidel's intro for the Terminator theme. One of the best things ever. I want this version of the Terminator theme played at my funeral when Bridget's liquidating all my vinyl and my blu-rays i want her to at least while she's pricing it out in her head while they're throwing dirt on my fat ass i want this song to be playing at least uh and we uh we get thrown uh we got thrown into it we see you know a term the terminator coming back as she's saying you know they're sending another terminator back a protector and uh another you know uh, whatever you want to call it, antagonist. Yeah. Uh, and we see Arnie. Arnie's back. Arnold Schwarzenegger reprising his role as the Terminator in a little different style this time. 
he's ass naked, of course, as as Kyle Reese was as well when they first got back, and, and as well as the Terminator with the. We never dis was that actually Arnold naked in the first one? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Arnold. Naked. It wasn't a stunt cack. No, no stunt cack. No, you could see his face. I know, but I didn't know if I I didn't you can know see his face clearer than you can see his dick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So there's the one of the greatest scenes in the film we get right at the very beginning, the biker bar scene. Oh yeah. So uh immediately this rang true to me because they're very Satch esque, and if anybody's <laughs> unfamiliar with the name Satch, he was my father and uh he was uh he was a biker in his glory days and you know had the whole biker uh aesthetic for sure. So these guys all look like friends of Satch's from like seventy eight, for sure. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think of your dad too. Yeah, I mean, it's whenever I see bikers. There's just bikers. There's a there's one guy that looks like fucking. He looks like Richie Kotzen or fucking like Oni Logan, the guy who sung for Lynch Mob. Uh, all tatted up, but we see this guy. Uh, Robert Winley is his name, and so there's a lot of tie-ins. With Stone Cold from 1991 and Terminator 2. And when I say a lot of tie-ins, I mean two. And if three, if you count the year that they came out. Right. So the guy who plays the the uh, gentleman, the biker who Arnold walks up, says, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Uh, is Robert Winley. He passed away, unfortunately, at the age of 48 in October of 2001. Ten years after, about ten and... Ten and a half years after uh, the release of this film, uh, of brain cancer, unfortunately. But he was also Mudfish in Stone Cold of the same year. Hell of a fucking year for old Mudfish. Ninety one was his uh, was his bread and his butter. So this guy gets fucking tossed like a fucking sad sack of shit on the grill. over on the grill, <laughs> which is just a hilarious scene. Like, and the guy's like. I love that, you know, you got a guy that he was, so he's 48, so he was 38, so he's almost a 40-year-old guy in 91, and he's just like, I feel like older actors like that, like, I mean, he wasn't like a face actor, he wasn't fucking Rolo or anything, Roblo, um, but I love that he, like, just committed to this small part, like, so, like, fucking great, which he's pretty, like, he's pretty outland. A lot of the characters in Stone Cold are pretty outlandish, but I like that he fully commits when he gets thrown on the grill and he just screams. <laughs> <laughs> like, There's, just, like, a split second where he's, he hits it and it looks like... Like, it takes him a minute yeah. to, like... He's like, okay, I need a minute, and he's like... <laughs> 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 it really is, like, a wild, like, opening scene uh, for, you know, to introduce uh, Arnold as the Terminator once again. Uh, so he gets his fucking... Uh, but he... he, he kicks the shit out of everyone and he sticks a knife in the one guy's back he takes his clothes boots and motorcycle he gets the fucking george thorogood bad to the bone treatment which whenever i mean for years now now i i guess i don't think about it much because i associate like george thorogood like just being a fan of him but for years like immediately you hear bad to the bone you think terminator 2 you think terminator 2 so Oh, Bridget with bagel bites. Pizza bagel bites. You feel like little kids playing Dungeons and Dragons right now. Thanks, Bridget. Oh, very so, I'm going to eat one of these right now on recorded live. They're looking for
So, that's what I like about our podcast. You can tell we're having fun. (laughs) There's no editing. I'm eating a pizza bagel bite. I don't care. So, yes. So, uh, Arnold goes to leave. Now, I want to point out he's driving, he's riding the bike he steals, Mudfish. His uh, bike is a 91 Fat Boy hydraulic front end. Uh, Great bike. uh, Fucking just a beautiful bike. Heavy-ass bike. I think those bikes are 450 pounds. Uh, At least at the time they were. They might have even been heavier than that at one point. So it's a big, it's a really big, uh, really big bike. And uh, it's a a beautiful big tank bike. I, I just love the Fat Boy. And I love that Harley just had something to do. I, I, I imagine there was some kind of like, oh, you know, you Harley got to use a Harley. Like, but I love that little like product placement um, on it as well. And I like that the the bar the bartender or whatever, I can't let you take the man's wheels, son. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. Can anybody clarify this? Those glasses that he takes off him, are those like a newer updated gargoyles? Or are they just, they don't ever... They don't mention whether or not they're, or there's no like little logo you can see on them or anything. Generic black glasses. Yeah, that's always always the vibe I got that it was just generic. But I I like to think they're the '91 version of gargoyles for some reason. But just can we just let them think that? Yeah. So uh, and then we get the the T1000 played by Robert Patrick. Uh, this is, I mean, Robert Patrick's had quite an extensive filmography from this point on, but I mean, when someone sees Robert Patrick, they immediately associate him as the T-1000, do they not? No. Think of him as the coach and the faculty. (laughs) What about you, Eric? Are you still here or? Eric? (laughs) Eric? Eric? I'm here. I don't. Oh, you're not. We only hear a little thing. You're not talking. Uh, can you hear me? You cut out. This is going off the rails quick. He's going to have to call back. And we can't stop this now. We must keep going. We got to wait for him because right. we're recording on the. Uh, There he is. Perfect. All right. You there? Can you hear me? Yeah, much better now. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I, nothing happened. I just I went to. I was talking, and I was like, "Why is nobody listening to what I'm saying?" No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't hear you. What were you saying? I remember at this point. Well, I, the last thing I talked about was the glasses. Yeah. Okay. So we're so we're saying Robert Patrick is the T one thousand. I mean, that's what everyone associates Robert Patrick with immediately, no matter. Right. It's yeah. extensive filmography. We immediately think of him as the T-1000, of course. That or, like, Wayne's World. Yeah, well, because, <laughs> yeah. Did we world. really lose Eric again? Are we fucking serious? All right, we're back. A little technical difficulties, but you're going to get that on the Hard Guy Media Podcast. We pull no punches, and uh, if a phone fucks up, a phone fucks up. And uh, But, yeah, Robert Patrick is a T-1000. Uh, just a great he plays it like great he plays the you know the straight supposed to be you know robotic no feeling no emotion heartless he plays it great and uh we get uh we get johnny uh johnny connor we see that it's played by edward furlong 
It's his first real breakout film role. And what a find uh, for the casting department of Terminator 2 to find old Eddie Furlong. And, of course, we got a red-headed future Bobby Butnick, <laughs> Danny Kukski. <laughs> Does anybody know Kukski from anything other than Salute Your Shorts in Terminator 2? No, that's the only thing I know. No. And he was the stoop kid in Hey Arnold. He voiced know. the stoop kid in Oh, did he really? Yeah. yeah. I just know him from the two. I didn't know the Hey Arnold thing. Yeah, you're way clearer on Sean's phone. I didn't even know Salute Your Shorts because I don't remember it. Oh, great show. Uh, but yeah, so we get the, you could be mine playing as uh, old uh, Johnny and Kooks are, are working on the fucking, the little dirt bike. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, again. she's not my mother, Todd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, so then we go to, we see Sarah is doing pull-ups. She's got her bed turned upside <laughs> down doing fucking pull-ups. Talk about, I mean, how many people did that during quarantine? Anybody? No, I still had to work. <laughs> uh, but gyms are, gyms officially opened in New York State today. So, at least in Onondaga County. But, but uh, yeah, so we see Sarah is, obviously, she's not like a fluffy 84-haired uh, woman anymore. She is, a, or a woman anymore. She's now a whoa man. Yeah. She's a uh, strong, independent woman now. Yeah, she is. She's Jack Stack and, and ready for some slack. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she's obviously like a badass. She's sweating her balls off. We see the dude who played Dr. Silverman is back and uh, talking about multiple escape attempts, <laughs> escape attempts and uh, uh, so she's in like a psych ward. She's in the fucking, the, the loon loon bin. Mm-hmm. Didn't he, like, bring up, like, uh, him getting stabbed by her? Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Stab. He's, like, he, oh, yeah, because he's limping, right? Isn't yeah. he limping? Because she's fucking stabbed him with a Piz own pen in his... Yeah. like, how's the leg? Oh, yeah. How's the leg? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do a good Linda Hamilton, don't I? <laughs> no, but it's funny. <laughs> Uh, good morning, Dr. Silverman. How's the leg? You're um, giving me, like, Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah. Well... Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know why I put Robert Patrick as the ass term. <laughs> I, I mean, the asshole Terminator. I, some of your, I looked at some of your notes and I can't wait to see the context. So I love the, so this is good nineties. This is good nineties because the eighties isn't far removed. So we don't have like shitty, like weird, like Dawson's Creek sweaters and stuff no. yet. The Nirvana thing hasn't taken off yet. Uh, this is two months before Nevermind came out for reference. But we got we got uh, Eddie Furs is wearing a Public Enemy shirt, a camo jacket, and some ripped fucking Wayne's World jeans. And Kooksy's got an L.A. Gun shirt on, which obviously going back to, um, going back to that, uh, obviously another Guns N' Roses reference because. That's where right. some of the members of Guns N' Roses were originally from. Um, but yeah, we got uh, so Kooksy's got an LA gun shirt. Uh, John Connor, old Eddie Furlong's rocking the Public Enemy shirt. Is everyone is everyone a a, a, a Public Enemy fan here? I only know one song. <laughs> I don't know them. For sure. What this kind is, of music? Come on, rap. Fear of the Black Planet, motherfucker. I thought they were rap, but I wasn't sure. All right, I have shit taste in music. <laughs> 
Uh, but I love the style. I love the style of like these early '90s before like everyone's like, I want to wear a flannel and fucking. Can I just say uh, how great of a job? Like, because I know we talked about this in the original, like for the original of like how it just bleeds like the era. How this one is just like, oh yeah, so early '90s. Like they nailed it with like the the you know the. The, the haircuts and the way everyone... Well, I guess they, they didn't have to nail it, I guess, because it was just of that time, you know what I mean? Well, right, I just mean, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess... It's, I a, good, really... it's a good time capsule, though. It, it yeah. really does reflect what the time was, is what right. I'm I guess. I guess when you... Yeah, like, I guess you don't realize... Like, looking back, like, yeah, that's it's so like that because that's when it, when it was, but uh, I don't know, just... Uh, you're, you're right about that, though, yeah, it's like... But they definitely nailed it, and obviously it holds. But that's what's so fun about, like, going back to these films and thinking about the time. You almost forget, like, that's how timeless this film is. You automatically think, like, oh, yeah, they nailed that era, like, is the first thing you would think of, because it's so timeless. You, it feels like it could have been released last year, and it's better than anything. Like, if they put re-put Terminator 2 in theaters, and theaters were actually open... But even if they played Terminator 2 at the drive-in, I'd be going to the drive-in to see Terminator 2. Oh, same here. It, get my mon- it gets my money multiple times over. But but yeah, so uh, so we go to... We see Sarah's recorded freak out. Everybody dies! <laughs> like, uh, sorry. Uh, you have... Like, uh, so... And then, you know, it's Silverman saying, what about now, Sarah? Do you believe there's still... Uh, but... Uh, so she's obviously trying to fool him, like, you know, uh, a little Dream Warrior session where she's trying to, you know, fool him that everything's all right. Uh, and he, uh, he, this Dr. Silverman, he just seems, like, so condescending. And uh, he is just, like, a, he's just a piece of shit motherfucker. I don't know. I don't like him. We're going to talk a little bit more about him. I got the vibe that he wanted to keep her there mainly so they could study her condition. Oh, oh, 100%. Because you could see that he takes he takes pleasure in knowing that he's going to deny her. Well, mm-hmm. Even in the first movie, he was talking about taking the Kyle Reese story. And he's like, I can make a show out of yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. So we know this guy is a dirtbag motherfucker that doesn't care. He's very similar to Terry Kaiser in uh, Friday the 13th, 7, New Blood, where he kind of wants to use Tina as like a study... And, like, just to kind of use her for his own benefit. Like, he doesn't really care whether or not she's better or... He's not there for the science. Exactly. And, uh, so we see Miles Dyson. And, uh, Miles motherfucking Dyson, uh, rolling in. We know that you can already tell Miles is, like, the the guy. You know, the, the fucking guy that everyone's revering. You can, you know, we see the chip. So... We, we we're we're getting into like you know this is the motherfucker you know the guy who created fucking cyberdyne or who created the you know right. the fucking the whole thing we're gonna get into that i'm saving that for a little later mm-hmm. i didn't want to spoil that because that's gonna be a fun little uh dive in but but yeah the um where the fuck was I in my notes? Uh, so Silverman, yeah, he takes obviously Doc Silverman taking pleasure in like knowing that he's gonna deny her. Uh, he, yeah, he's just a, a piece of shit. Uh, so we get an arcade in the ass chase in the mall. I don't know what the hell that even means, but uh, but yeah, so they're in the mall. So we got before that though, we see, and I don't even think I 
put it in there, but we see John Connor go, and he's a hacker, and he hacks the money out yeah, for the arcade. Easy money. If I could do that, it'd be bad. Well, that's... I would, I would actually do that. <laughs> well, that's a... You know, that is a cool little thing, too. So we see that John has picked up, and he says he, he's, like, one of the, you know, it's a tool his mom showed yeah. him and shit like that. Like, so we see that he's taken, already taken some measures to... Uh, acquire things from his mother whether he willingly wanted to or not and you know pretty much says you know well she's a psycho uh but total loser total loser yeah uh so yeah uh they're in the arcade they're playing fucking some video games we see old liquid metal the t1000 roaming around uh have you seen john connor um and we see uh arnie roll up with a box of roses so, did anybody make this correlation? Gun and roses. Oh. You know what, though? What's the the redhead's name again? Danny Kukski. I just I have to say that he's a he's a terrific friend. Yeah, for giving him the heads up, but also being like, "Go ahead, get out of here. I'll cover for you." Yeah, yeah. Like, I would hope that any one of us would do it for the other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was BT saying he's such a good friend. I would never do that. <laughs> No, I'm saying that's that's what a friend should do. That's what most of us would do. I don't know about... Wait, what? I can see Sean giving, like, your name and address. Being like, yeah, that's him. That's him over there. He lives yeah. there. And then calling... Yeah, it's 398 Tompkins. They came for me. They're coming for you. Uh... But yeah, so uh, did you notice that co- that little homage though with the gun and the roses, like Guns and Roses? I mean, uh, I'm not gonna lie; I can't pretend like I, I obviously saw it, but I didn't put two and two together, you know. Uh, I didn't until like a couple years ago, and I was just like, I wonder if that just happened to be roses, or they chose roses because Guns right. and Roses. So which is it? And I don't know, uh, uh, but. Stan Winston on, went on to go direct the "You Could Be Mine" music video, which was a mashup with the film, and and uh, but yeah, old Stan that's, Winston. That's a great music video. Yeah, too. yeah, it is. How awesome is that? Like you know, him hunting Guns and Roses right. down. It's so sick. Uh, and <clears throat> again, uh, a sign of the times too. Guns and Roses is the biggest fucking band in the world at, t- at the time. Right. I still read that they're part of this film. Are you all right over there? <laughs> now the Guns N' Roses fan? <laughs> You're very pensive. Uh, a pensive look on your face. Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I was talking? I was talking about how it's red. Oh, you were stroking your beard like you were fucking Lemmy about ready to fucking spout out some bomber lyrics. <laughs> no, I was just saying that it's red that they're a part of it. I thought you guys were talking to Brian. No, no. <laughs> Brian uh, hates Guns N' Roses. <laughs> I love Guns N' Roses. I like to hear that. And the couple of songs I've heard from them. A <laughs> couple of songs. You've heard at least 12. Uh, but yeah, so um, so Linda Hamilton actually suffered permanent hearing damage because of a gunshot in this film, really? too, which I didn't know. Wow, really? Did you know which, like, which scene it was or anything like that? It doesn't say. I would assume somewhere towards that ending sequence when they're like in the elevator and things like that and there's guns Plus. going off. So... We when they're like close proximity, I would imagine, because uh, I couldn't find any detail as to what scene it was. But yeah, she suffered permanent hearing damage uh, because of a gun that went off near her head. Well, she That's got off lucky. You know, 
not to get way off topic, but it's so crazy about especially like in that there's so many accidents you hear about on on the set of stuff in like that '90s range of movies. I don't know. I just it's just crazy to me that stuff like that happens. You know. Oh yeah. Well, like, G- James Cameron's been one to have controversial film sets, regardless. Uh, but he was uh, he was married to Linda Hamilton at the time, so uh, that's even more interesting. What do you think happened to him? They fell out of love. I think they had an argument, and she's like, "Fire that fucking gun right by her head." <laughs> They're not together anymore, but <laughs> that's the shit Bridget would say if we were if I was an actor and she was the director. She'd like. Fire that oh, fucking yeah. gun right by his ear. Oh yeah, she fucking. But she has she has a really big issue with my hearing issues now because if we're in a grocery store and I and she says something, especially now with the masks on, I can't really hear anything, especially if there's like fucking like Barbara and Bob talking about fucking grapefruit over here, <laughs> and Bridget's like, "Do we need do do we need ranch?" I'm like, "What what what?" Uh, but yeah, I, I digress. Um. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> I was talking about my hearing issues. Uh, but yeah, so uh, one of my favorite lines in this film. You guys can fucking sit up. Jesus, you're both, both ready to fall asleep. Uh, so uh, is uh, where Arnold's explaining uh, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. Uh, but obviously before that, we have the huge... Uh, the huge were T two or T one thousands in the big rig. Arnold's on the fucking oh, fat boy, uh, jamming in and out of the fucking the valleys. It looks like it was probably sat. Uh, you know, they were filming where like that one scene in La Bamba was filmed. Looks really <laughs> looks great. Uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, we're getting intense action sequences within the, all the storytelling too. Yeah. So obviously, and you could obviously see that it's Arnold's. Like, uh, I think his name's Kent. Dave Kent, maybe or something. I can't. Arnold remember. stunt double. Yeah, yeah. You can see that it's Arnold stunt double when he's jumping on the bike, uh because you can't have Arnold jump the bike and then fucking possibly break his fucking arm. You can't do that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, a huge, great like blowout uh chase down with already like a huge chase. I feel like that would be like a climactic chase in any other film, like, and we're yeah. getting that in the first like half hour of the film. Uh, and we see, uh, so Jeanette Goldstein, an old, uh, Cameron favorite playing, uh, Janelle, which is, uh, the foster mother. Uh, she was also in, uh, Karen Bigelow's, is her name Karen Bigelow? Director of Near Dark? Catherine. Catherine, sorry. Catherine Bigelow. Uh, she was in that. She played, um, who's her shits? What's her name in Aliens? I'm blanking on her name. Vasquez, yes, thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, so she's playing the uh, the mother. And the father uh, was uh, was Todd and what was was his, who was he in? He was, was Candyman. Candyman, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he just seems like an asshole foster father, doesn't he? I think everything I've seen that guy in, he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. He's, I was just gonna say, yeah, I don't think he. And everything, and the things I've seen him, and uh, he's never cool. He's never nice. No, he's a dick. He looks like he Eric Stoltz. Like you know. what? Eric Stoltz isn't a. Eric Stoltz is like beloved. Uh, he, apparently, no. he never seen some kind of wonderful. Brian. Yeah, I mean, come on, Keith. Shut the fuck up for a second. <laughs> there it is. Everything he's done after the eighties, he was playing a creep of some kind or a pervert or. Really? Yeah. 
I've only have s- you seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah, that's the one thing. How is he a creep? He's just a heroin addict. Hey, what's that one movie that he plays like a... He's thinking like a professor and he like hits on the students. What's that movie called? Rules of Attraction. <laughs> he has his, his student... Give him a blowjob. The Butterfly Effect. He was a child molester. Oh, but, oh you're right! <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Eric Stoltz. That's as pointless as Jesse's here. Kind of got to take those roles after Michael J. Fox gets you fucking booted from... Back to the Future after you I film those things. I think we should do a whole episode on Eric Stoltz and, and the, the tragic story of Eric Stoltz. I'll literally, we should do a full episode on Some Kind of Wonderful because that's one of my favorite John Hughes movies. Well, Howard Deutsch directed, but John Hughes written. I've never seen all that. We could do uh, Leah Thompson just all together. Mary Stuart Matheson. Lots forever. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. Uh, we get the muscle head scene where the guys are fucking, where Eddie Furlong was talking to, uh, trying to, uh, get the Terminator kind of hip to the, the jive in the street, uh, so he isn't talking, you know, so, what, talk, what? Those, those muscle guys did not deserve that. They were just- Hey, fuck you, shithead! <laughs> they just came up to check, to see if the kid was okay. And What's this guy watching? Are you like? Are you bird watching right now? What are you doing? <laughs> you? Me again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> we're like staring off into the distance, like you just caught a UFO. To be fair, right, mate, we're all here, and he needs he needs to look at something. That's true, Sean. Whip it out. All right. Maybe. How creepy would it be if Eric, <laughs> if Eric the whole time was just staring at the camera smiling? I would love that. <laughs> uh, he's doing his fantasy football. He's got to prepare. He's the commish. But yeah, those muscle heads, they were just trying to see if he was okay. And then after he told them to fuck off. That's not literally what he said. You just told Eric to fuck off, too. And when they um, started to walk away, then he's like, kick their ass. Yeah, <laughs> Can we get back to the step parents? Yes. Yeah, sorry. I just want to say that that um, uh, the death of the stepfather always was like one of the craziest. For some reason, that death uh, resonates with me so much. Just like Doctor drinking out of the milk carton. Yeah, it's just he such a rad. Like that that scene is just so goddamn rad. I said that to these guys, uh, or I said it to I think it was before Sean got here, but I said that to Brian that it. Uh, it kind of resonates resonates with me more as like a horror element of the film, and that whole like scene just gave it a very like creepy like horror type feel. That kill. Oh, for sure, and That's I agree I mean. with that. Like, it's just that that one really stuck with me. But yeah, it really does. It gives it like it just kind of uh, it takes it to that darker level. I yeah. mean, and he wasted all that milk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all that vitamin D, man. I haven't drank milk in so long. But yeah, so um so we uh go back to Sarah. Sarah's taking her meds in the they're feeding Sarah her meds and we get the sicko weird toxic waste version of Drew Carey licking her face. Yes, that was perfectly stated. It literally nothing creeps me out more. Like I don't even care how like uh close you are with anybody, whether it's your girlfriend, your wife or anybody. If you just like ran your tongue up someone's cheek, it's just fucking weird and creepy. Yeah, I've done it to Jen drunk. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, so that guy, what's up with those glasses too? It's 91. It's no longer like 83. You don't need to wear those glasses. They're really weird. I know Eric Eric was wearing them in like 96 though. It was before 96. <laughs> <laughs> they're called, they're pervert glasses. Oh my, those things are in again. They're not. They're, they're not called pervert glasses either. Well, I thought on... they were, I called them pedo glasses. That's even worse. Because in a few, in a in a little in a little while down the road in our notes, I say, "Fuck face gets fucked with his pedo glasses." So there's there's proof. Right? <laughs> there's proof that they're pedo glasses. Um, I wore similar glasses and I resented. So. so now I got a real question. This is probably one of the. It's maybe the second most important question of this whole episode is so we get the two fucking cops, the gre- the cop, two twin cops from Gremlins 2 that are dancing when Gizmo's dancing. <laughs> Wait, were they cops or security guards? No, they were they were se- they were security guards. They were Sean. Hey. Um but uh they were the scientists or whatever in uh Gremlins 2. But regardless, when he that motherfucker's getting the coffee and the coffee scene always resonates with me. But have you ever seen, and maybe it was like a thing, like, I don't know if it was a, a a regional thing or something, but have you ever seen the coffee cups that had the game on the side, the poker, the game? poker game on the side? I've never seen that before. No, Sam. That's cool, though, right? That's a brilliant idea. Who do you think's idea was to put it in? This lucky night. I don't know. But that uh, that's cool, and I'm sure a product of the time that we just uh, happened to have uh, missed out on, unfortunately, but... Uh, but yeah, uh, or what's he say? He's like, hey, I got a flush. It's my lucky night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he gets, uh, gets fucking by T-1000, by a replication of himself. And, uh, yeah, that was, that's just like an awesome, uh, what's the woman say? What's the, she's like, hey, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is it though that. They used uh, practical effects for, yeah. for his head. Because they only use CGI when they absolutely had to. Yeah, and, and like, you can... That's the whole thing. Like, you could tell it's, like, it's, you know, it's prosthetics and stuff like that. And it you can tell... You can, some people be like, oh, it looks, you know, it looks kind of cheesy or whatever. But I think it looks cool. I like, I like practical effects yeah. over CGI. <clears throat> I would take that any day of the week. Hell yeah. yes. Uh, again, thanks to, props to Sam Winston. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, Sarah Connor, uh, keeps the paperclip in her mouth after Pedo licks her face, and she gets her, uh, her handcuffs undone, and she gets out, and she breaks the shit out of his face, uh, with the nightstick. Yeah. Just smashes those goddamn petter ass glasses right off his goddamn <laughs> face. Bloodies his nose. It's glorious. And then she uh, she makes her way through the through the other security, uh, the orderly, and then um, she gets to Doctor Silverman. And when she smashes his arm with the nightstick, we get one of the best quotes in the whole movie. You broke my arm. <laughs> He's just like such a pansy piece of shit. I love it. Um. But yeah, Silverman, a bitch ass, I wrote. Uh, so uh, so Sarah Connor uh, gets the a syringe, fills it up with the fucking rotor rooter fucking uh, 
cleaner. Uh, he's going to do a little uh, uh, syringe-type Heather's job on his ass. Uh, she sticks it in his neck. She's walking around, uh, taking him hostage. And, uh, and yeah, we get, uh, we get old, old, you know, she sees that she ends up seeing, you know, the Terminator. Yeah, don't learn So, she, uh, immediately, and that's the whole thing, that's what I kind of like, too, before, obviously, before he, you know, grabs John and saves John in the mall, before that, I mean, everyone knows it now, because they've seen both movies so many times, but I imagine seeing it in theaters, you didn't immediately know if, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-800 was going to be the good or the bad. That's actually one of my questions. Like, before you saw Terminator 2 for the first time, like, did you know that Arnold was the bad guy or the good guy? I don't even think I even had any kind of, uh, like, thought. And I think for a while I just thought that Terminator was the good guy always because I saw T-2 before the first one. So I immediately thought that the Terminator was the good guy and the T-1000 was the bad. Apparently in the uh, the original theatrical trailer, they actually spoiled that Arnold's the good guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm the, wait, you're saying like the, the original trailer? Yeah. Huh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, obviously I, I don't even, I mean, obviously I've watched the trailer since then, but I, I guess I didn't even think about that. They, um, I mean, they don't really tell you in the, in the beginning, but Robert Patrick definitely seems like the evil one while Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, right. Yeah, because Arnold has more of like an uplifting, like, he intro. Even, like, yeah. it's more comedic, and then with... Robert Patrick's and he like looks more yeah, like more ominous, and yeah. he doesn't like kill anyone like he did in the first one. That's true, but I'm sure there had to be at least some people that were surprised. That oh, I'm sure the good guy. Not everyone watches trailers, but yeah, we get. Uh, so she's obviously afraid of Ar- the presence of Arnold. Uh, you know the Terminator, as she knows it. She, she and uh, we get a big you know. Big shootout escape as, you know, she sees, you know, her son, too, for the first time in, in God knows how long. Right. Uh, we get the big uh, escape chase, a fucking uh, brouhaha in the parking garage. Uh, another good chase Yeah, another great chase scene. And that's the whole thing. There's just one thing after another. And I think a lot of people's, like, things were their whole, like, I guess... This seemed T two seemed more of story related, but there's ju- there's a lot of action in T two still. Yeah. I mean, I think Terminator was a lot of chaos, and this is a little more like methodical, like uh, like running with a story action sequence, running with the story action sequence. Whereas they were kind of both parallel, and it was explaining the story a little more through action sequences in the original Terminator. I was gonna say. Terminator 2 doesn't really have much downtime. Yeah, really at all, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's like a beep, 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 beep movie. Uh, both, both movies are fantastically paced. They are, but there's definitely, like in Terminator 1, there's definitely like that downtime where like Kyle Reese and Sarah fucking boned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the downtime. I just want to point out that Sean, Sean went into full character for that. He's like, Obviously, there was that downtime where Kyle Reese and Sarah fucking boned. <laughs> he sounded a little upset about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would have been mad, too, if Kyle Reese friggin' chose her over me if I was Sean, right? Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you could tell that Sarah, even though Sarah knows 
or or sees that you know supposedly this Terminator's on hit their side is on their side of the resistance. She doesn't trust him still. No. She's very. She pretty much says you know it's a machine. It can't. She's pretty much thinking it's a machine. It can't be trusted. Can't be reasoned with, bargained with. You know, uh, as old Kyle Reese would say. Uh, so. Uh, uh so then uh we get they they spend uh, again as we said there is little did i delete i must have deleted some stuff you've been deleting a lot of stuff lately oh no okay no sorry uh i've been yeah I've, i've been on a deletion matt hardy style but uh but yeah so they're explaining or the Terminator, the T-800 is explaining to Sarah that there's, you know, Miles Dyson and Cyberdyne Systems. He works for Cyberdyne Systems. He creates the whole chip and and with Skynet and Skynet becomes, once they become self-aware, uh, Skynet strategically attacks Russia and then Russia launches a thermonuclear war against us, obliterating, like, which is... An interesting tie-in, too, with... The Cold War and shit. The Cold War, which is uh, kind of apropos for how this movie was released. It was released the day before the 4th of July, too. So there's, like, that little patriotism, fuck Russia thing still going on there. Right. Um, And Sarah, I I believe they're in... Where the fuck are they supposed to be? This has got to be outside of, like, California, though, right? Yeah, the thing has, has probably, like, really southern California. Because <laughs> they're, like, near, like, like, New Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're near Mexico. Yeah, right. yeah, because uh, she meets up, Sarah brings them to Enrique. Yes. Who is her uh, Spanish consigliere, who has an arsenal of weaponry, weaponry and fuckery. And just an underground uh, sand bunker of all kinds of weapons and shit. So for some reason, I used to think that they went to Mexico, because at the beginning or at the at the end of the original Terminator, how she's in Mexico. I thought that yeah. was New Mexico. Am I just imagining that? Uh, well, I think maybe Mexico, we just always assumed it was Mexico. You know, I'm pretty sure. No, I'm pretty sure it is Mexico. I thought. I thought. Is it? For some reason, I just assumed it was the southeast. She's outside of Scottsdale or something. Okay, so it is possible. <laughs> it's possible that they're in Mexico. Right. Regardless, but, they're they're somewhere in the, but, the general. Well, yeah. I did wonder last night. I'm like, how did they cross the border? Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, there are, there are ways, you know, underground tunnels. <laughs> yeah, but in a in a car. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, but anyway, so Sarah's sitting there. She's eating. We can't figure out what sandwich she was eating. It just, it just, yeah, but just looked like bread too. It looked like just like a really shitty, like wonder hamburger bun. There's a lot of bread in there. Maybe you should just say bread. I've done it. Could have been a ketchup sandwich. (laughs) Uh, so, but yeah, they load up at Enrique's, uh, they load right the hell up. Uh, and, and you see the Terminator trying to understand John and the Terminator bonding as they're working on the car. Where they're both trying to understand each other. So you see, and that's a whole thing I guess I, I didn't really think about initially, but the Terminator, that chip that's in his head, I think is starting to slowly learn yeah. and, and, and uh, adapt to things. 
in a way that they talk about how the system becomes self-aware too. He's a neuron. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a learning. learning one. Yes, it's a learning one. But I'm saying like that. No, I'm I understand that. But I'm saying you guys it, got that from the soundboard. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that is like what that whole technology because that chip that has all that learn because it it's never ending learning. Yeah. It, it never stops learning. That is when it becomes self-aware. That's the whole Skynet fucking deal. So what I'm saying is you see, as opposed to the first one, when there was no compassion, no remorse, this is obviously a different Terminator because of that chip. So he's ever learning, ever growing, and he's trying to understand the human condition as well. And you know what I mean? And John Connor's trying to teach him, really. Mm. Uh, and and that's when Sarah kind of has the, you know, the realization as they're high-fiving, fucking too slow, all that shit. Where she says, you know, this is, you know, this is who John would ideally ha- have. Someone who isn't going to fucking leave him. Someone who isn't going to drink milk out of the fucking cart and get stabbed to the fucking throat. <laughs> Can I, this, <laughs> this is random, but I made this connection. Both huge James Cameron sequels, Aliens and Terminator 2 had the main female um, not trust the cyborg because of what happened in the Prior first film. experiences, yeah. And, but in this one, the sequel, she learns that this, not all cyborgs are bad. True. Some, you know. True. Some help people or can be programmed to. But yeah, so we see, you know, Sarah has, uh, you know, she also says it's the sanest choice to have him take care of john so she yes uh but and she carves no fate it's my favorite whole thing that ties the entire like especially the second film together is there's no fate but what you make like that's like it's the theme of the movie you know uh there is nothing set in stone you make it what is set in stone um and sarah has the premonition of judgment day and sarah connor uh, played by Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton's twin sister played her as she sees her as the waitress on the playground with the kids. And her twin sister just passed away this week, BT found out, actually. Who's that? Linda Hamilton's twin sister just passed away. I, well, it said Saturday, August 22nd. And the source is... I mean, really, really tragic. A Terminator uh, fan site, so... I don't see why they'd make it up, but yeah. I can't find any other news on it. Yeah, um, but, uh, you know, two sets of twins in this film, but yes, Linda Hamilton. I mean, maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe someone just made it up, but, I mean, some reports uh, say that, that Linda Hamilton's uh, twin sister has died over the past week, uh, which I is... Un- to believe it until I'm told otherwise. Uh, which is very unfortunate, but she has the premonition of Judgment Day, which Sean and I... You, uh, we were talking about this, how immediately we're like, oh, I love this yeah, fucking scene. scene. It, where you see the nuclear launch hit and just everyone turn to ash. The kids, everyone, the swing sets turn into fire, bone, ash. It's uh, it's probably one of the most terrifying scenes of all time. Yeah, right? And um, I we've seen a lot of scenes like it, but... Probably none have pulled it off as well as Terminator 2 has. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, is it not what we... Eric, you still there? I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's what we all fear, 
But at the same time, I think if it happened tomorrow, I think we'd all be all right. I think we're, we can all accept it now in 2020. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't really have a choice. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wouldn't be that upset. I mean, it would suck to burn for a few minutes, but maybe it'd be... As long as it wasn't like Chernobyl where you have to suffer a bunch, uh, let it be fast. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'd be stopping and thinking, like, I guess I'm okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably like, fuck, 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 Ash. <laughs> fuck, I'm on fire, fuck, I'm on fire. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we see her premonition, and we see, it says she carved no fate on the, the table, and uh, they're heading to Miles Dyson's house, and they shoot this fucking house right the oh, fuck yeah. up. So, uh, old Sarah Connor goes uh, buku for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, she goes nutso, and... Starts shooting up the whole house, and she's about ready to wax the entire family. Don't give a fuck. I don't think she was gonna wax the whole family, but she was definitely gonna she's kill. She was gonna wax wax Miles Dyson. She was sure. gonna wax Miles Dyson right in front of his child. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck. She's cold as shit. But that's not true, as we see. Uh but yes, regardless. But then I think where she has like that mental break, where she's like, "Holy shit!" Like I was just gonna fucking. I've lost my humanity within this, too. I was going to wax this motherfucker in front of his wife and child. like, And that's where John, you know, kind of... She saw her, her son, and that's kind of where it clicked. Like, uh, So you see that, and she has her little break in reality. and uh, But that's because... And she's crying, and she's upset, and she's having a breakdown because she cares. She cares that much about humanity. I wouldn't care that much. I'd be like, you could fucking stop it. I'd be like... <laughs> Let me mull this over for a few fucking days before I make any drastic choices to go to Miles Dyson's house. Would we all be better? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so they sit down, uh, the Terminator, immediately they gotta show Dyson what the fuck's up, so another great scene, Stan, uh, Stan Winston, you know, j we just get to see all the awesomeness of Stan Winston when, uh, the Terminator, the T-800, cuts his arm open and peels the flesh and meat off to yeah, reveal, well, reveal his arm. That's another scene from, from that movie that just sticks with you, you know what I mean? The, oh, yeah. That's yeah. so awesome. And, and like you said, the special effects on that is just amazing. How many people had the, the fake Terminator hand where he pulled the little fingers and it pulled the thing down? I always wanted it, but my parents never bought it for me. I, think, I, I don't think I got it when it came out. I think I got it two or three years later at like a lawn sale. My, right. my parents were big lawn sailors, so I got a lot of things to lawn sail. Hell yes. I know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, so he sits him down. He sits Dyson and his wife down and, and lay it all out for him. This is what's happening. You pretty much are go on to be a piece of shit who ends the world because of your creation. He didn't know. No, he didn't know. And you could see that Miles obviously doesn't want to be a part of it and he can't fucking imagine. But then he gets caught up in it too and he's just like, you know, this tech, this stuff would change the world. Stuff, stuff we never even would have dreamed. And he catches himself and he's like, yeah, but it's ultimately going to fry us all so yeah. we need to this fucking end movies this. are adorable because in real life, a guy like that would probably just be in denial and find a way to rationalize it and be like... That's not going to happen. Let me just keep making my money. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so they have to go destroy the chip. And then we get uh, we get a long, uh, a pretty good-sized chunk of uh, action. action. Uh, we see a lot of awesome fucking... They go to destroy the chip. Uh, you know, Dyson gets him in there. 
uh, we see awesome. We see a Gatling gun. We see another Stone Cold reference too. The T eight hundred drives a bike out of uh, or T one thousand. Excuse me. The T one thousand drives a bike off through glass out of building into a helicopter. Also happens in Stone Cold from nineteen ninety one as well. But yeah, we see amazing weaponry. We see a Gatling gun. We see a friggin' like a tear gas launcher. We see a rock grenade launcher. Grenade launcher. Just like in all this shit, I remember on my fifth birthday when I got that like one six scale, twelve inch or (laughs) fifteen inch or whatever Terminator that lit up and said a couple phrases. Everything was marked nineteen ninety three because they think about what a run that has. It has its theatrical run for so many time for so many months. They put it back out into theaters again, I think in 3D. I may be wrong there. Uh, but they then they you know, a year and a half goes by, they put it out on video, and then they have a whole nother revamp of toys again in 1993. So uh, a marketing uh, goldmine for, for Terminator. Did anybody else have any Terminator toys? No, I mostly had Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles growing up. Yeah, I had, I, I had like all the Ghostbusters ones, but they were all like secondhand like and stuff. The only stuff I remember ever getting new, ever, was Ninja Turtles. I remember getting new Ninja Turtles. I remember getting some new Batman figures, uh, some new Power Rangers, and some Terminator stuff. But also randomly, like, Robin Hood. The Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Weird. I remember those ones. <laughs> That's Isn't it crazy awesome. Back then, yeah. They made action figures to market to kids for R-rated movies. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, like, the Swamp Thing. Uh, I remember going into Ames several times and getting Swamp Thing, the Swamp Thing uh, action figures, too. Like, Kenner was just putting out, like, some fucking awesome shit. They did all the Terminator stuff. They did the Batman stuff. Pretty sure they did the Robin Hood stuff. They did the Swamp Thing stuff. Kenner was just, like, fucking pumping the shit out. It was great. Um, But, yeah, so we see just uh, uh, an insane... We see, you know, the biker version of the T-1000. We see so much shit in, like, a span of, like, a half hour. There's, like, just insane, like, blowouts, fights, shootouts. Uh, you know, the, we see more of the liquid metal. Like, th- that was just so cool just seeing any time the T-1000 got shot, too. Yeah, that last third act is just nonstop action. Oh, yeah. It's so... it's, But that's the thing, too. It isn't, like... I feel like anybody who, who judges action films... Or sci-fi films uh, would have would be hard pressed to really judge this one unkindly because I just think it just holds so it stays the continuity is so well and it doesn't lose you and it doesn't get it doesn't get so like all over the place and chaotic it has, still has a, a steady stream going of uh, of story and action they they meld it well for sure. Uh, but yeah, we get, uh, just, uh, an amazing, amazing shit for like, for like ever. But we see Dyson obviously gets, uh, shot and he's holding the fucking, uh, little detonator up above the, the little, uh, clip, uh, detonation device thingamajig. And, uh, we see him die. For some reason that scene always sticks with me. When I think of T2, I think about him sweating profusely, like, like gasping, like it is slowly like like gasping for breath and stuff and then he just drops it and it detonates and explodes i thought that was a a memorable scene are there any like uh from like at at any point in the film but like if even this act or any point in the film like is there any other scenes that you guys when you think of terminator 2 that stick out to you 
pretty much uh, when they escaped the the insane asylum when T one thousand's arms turned to like the two hooks. Oh yeah, yeah. That sticks out. Obviously, we're gonna talk about it soon. Arnold doing the thumbs up when he fucking yeah, yeah. Well, of course, but the, I do like that part too, where a piece of him is stuck on like the back windowsill and John Connor like yeah, throws it, it out. It. That's another like little cool memorable scene. What about you, Brian? That scene. This is the scene I was most excited about. Oddly enough, when I was about to watch it last night, was the scene. Oh, on the videotape where Sarah Connor's like flipping out to yeah, Dr. Yeah. Silverman. I love her performance in that scene. Oh, it's very. There was a. Ba- I can't remember the band, but there was some like, you know, like metalcore band or whatever that used to play that before the first song of their live set. And I can't remember what fucking band it was, but I saw them a few times. But they would play that. Everybody dies. <laughs> like, you're all dead. I got to agree with Brian, though. I thought. Uh... Her performance, like, was so stellar in this. Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, uh, obviously, we love Arnold and and Furlong and stuff, but I think between her and Robert Patrick, uh, those two really stood out as, like, the the, just doing the great performances. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. And it's very Ripley esque, too, uh, for her, because, you know, Ripley in the first one is kind of like naive. She isn't, like, really weathered or hardened by her experiences yet. And then in Aliens, and especially in Alien 3, we see that she is. Uh, same thing with Sarah Connor, but I feel like to the nth degree with Sarah Connor. She was very young, naive, innocent, and she gets the burden of being the mother of the son of the Resistance. Uh, it's the grandmother of the Resistance, if you were, if you will. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy burden to care, and the people just think she's crazy, so she's in the insane asylum. She, she's, she's been, she's seen better days. Her, her mental frame is weathered, for sure. And she is just, I mean, Linda Hamilton is just knockout amazing as an actress in this. Just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it was a crazy transformation between the first and the second one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, part of this this big third act though that I love is the ni- the liquid nitrogen tankard yes. uh, going and freezing the the cop version of the T one thousand and uh, where you see like oh something's actually slowing this fucking guy down like if he freeze him then he's frozen like that was just like a cool memorable another memorable super memorable scene yes I noticed that today I missed it last night so yeah. and it had been a while since I saw it so. yeah. That stuck out to me this time. I also love how shocked the T-1000 was when, like, his hand froze and he broke it off. Yeah, yeah, and he looks at it, and he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, this is just, uh, you know, a huge, like we said, a huge third act. There's a lot going on. It's pretty wild. But we get this big finale. Uh, I do like, uh, though, during the the big, when the shootout's happening, initially with the cop, with the, the SWAT team and, and the Terminator, the T-800, Arnold, and you see them just wax this, littering him with bullets, and it's just tearing his face up. And we see, obviously, probably the most memorable when someone says Terminator to you, if you're not thinking anything of the first one, you think of Arnold with that tore open flesh on his face yeah. with his skull exposed. Uh, that's definitely what you'd think of. You guys probably agree, right? I agree. 100%. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved that. So he's just riddled. That's what I liked about that, that like 18 inch figure or whatever I had that it had like the bolt holes in his chest. It had like part of his skull exposed. 
I, I, I just remember that toy so well, and I need to go on eBay and buy it now. This uh, is something similar to that in every one of the Terminators that he's in, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is, like, where they pulled it off the best. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, a huge credit, again, to uh, Stan Winston, of course. Uh, but, yeah, the the big finale, uh, I just love that that showdown with the T, T-1000 and Sarah, too, where, you know, he... Uh, just sticks his finger in her fucking ball. A call to John. I love. I don't know why, but like, that is when. Uh, even though he shows like, I mean, because the robots are just like cold, like they have no emotion. But they also that moment where he goes, you know, I know this hurts. Call to him like that. Like it's like he's programmed to know that people feel pain. Right, right, and it, like he it, it, he may not take pleasure in it, but like. He's aware that it's causing your pain, like so that just kind of weird weirded me out a little. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's the you know for the ending of this film, I call it, it's the best ending in all of cinema ever. I don't think there's a better ending in any movie. And if anybody wants to argue with me, I will, <laughs> I will fucking thumb wrestle you to the death. Uh, no one's thumb wrestling tonight. I don't think. Uh I mean, this is the whole, you know, once they've destroyed the, and this was a, just an amazing scene when the T-1000 gets thrown into the fucking molten, you know, uh, melted metal lava yeah, shit. the steel mill. Yeah. Uh, and he, something that was really awesome is seeing when the T-1000 goes in there and he's like freaking out and like getting destroyed as he goes in there. We talked about this, uh, as we were watching it as well, uh, when he goes through and everyone that he like cloned or generated and replicated, you're seeing them as he's freaking out and going like, in like all his victims, very like thing ass looking, yeah. uh, things going through all the victims that, uh, that it, it, it had went through. And I thought that was an awesome, again, another horror esque right. feeling thing. What I love about this movie too, is like, you just said like horror ass, like, it's really hard to pinpoint a genre on this. Like, is it sci-fi? Is it action? It's got horror elements. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, it, it all the above. It, it transcends like all of it. So, yeah, it, it and obviously we get you know Terminator T eight hundred Arnold saying with his one chip left points to his head, and you know John yeah John <laughs> Connor obviously wants to have him keep him because you know it's the only pretty father much the figure. father figure he's had. No, uh, I literally, like, cried last night. Brian literally <laughs> cried last night. And I am not ashamed. I don't believe it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Uh, but, yeah, we get, you know, him throwing the 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 one chip in, and then uh, the T-800 lowering himself down into the... You can't self-terminate. Yeah. Uh, they had to, uh, lower him down into the, into the melting, uh, steel. And, uh, he is gone. And we get the best image in all of cinema ever, besides maybe, uh, Corey Haim putting a, uh, stuffed groundhog into his closet in front of a <laughs> Rob Lowe poster. Um, Rolo, Rolo. Uh, um, but yeah, the thumbs up as he's going down. Most epic ending ever, and it's just 
it's something to behold that uh just and then we get Brad Fedell's uh Terminator theme at the end for T2 and that's T2 and what what a film Terminator 2 indeed is There's a I mean, what does she say? Did we miss it when we watched it? We've all seen it a million times. What did well, she say? Oh, yeah. It was something about, like, you know, if... About how the Terminator, the T-800, um, was able to learn the value of human life. Perhaps we can, too. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, honey. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> Boy, you fucking wrong. Uh... <laughs> does not happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, re- relevant to current day. Like, yeah, it could be any further from the fucking truth. Everyone in the world just needs to just sit in a theater together. Well, no, they... That's they, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen. They need to go to the world's biggest drive through and just watch Terminator 2 <laughs> and really think. Tell me Terminator 2 wouldn't change the world right now if everyone watched it and just stopped watching all their bullshit. People, maybe, um, we should, maybe we should uh, like get to that and start tweeting and just saying, listen, everyone, I really think you need to watch T2. I think it would really help you. World viewing. The bottom line is, if we don't ship up, we're going to get bombed by the Russians. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. But, uh... Are we recording still? Yeah, we are still recording. So... Good. Uh, so, does anybody have any kind of, uh thing that they, did anybody have any kind of terminator merchandise or like i had the steel dvd book i remember or the the steel cover slip it was like a steel slip cover for the dvd that was one of my favorite terminator things i have i i've since gotten rid of it since i have the terminator box set now but uh and and of course the toy the 18 inch toy i was telling you guys about uh did you guys have anything terminator related be it uh you know obviously sean you said you your mom bought the VHSs when you were younger, so you had, had the, the VHSs. V- I had the two VHS tapes, and then I also had the Terminator 2 Sega Genesis game. Yeah, the, which was, was which terrible. Was, which was hard as fuck. Yeah, but I still played it. Yeah. I bottled up the tears I shed last night as John Connor was begging <laughs> begging the T-800 not to, not to go. Um, I have a lock. I have a lock of Edward Furlong and a lock of Edward Norton's hair. I'm going to combine it to make the ultimate <laughs> Gonna, I'm gonna make the ultimate actor with those two locks of hair. <laughs> no, but I mean, just like younger, obviously, yeah, like toys. Like uh, I obviously had some Terminator stuff. I mean, I had a T1000 like action figure type thing. I remember back in the day, but I, I didn't. I think when I was a kid, I didn't have like a tremendous amount of Terminator stuff. Sadly. Um, yeah, I remember the. Uh, I remember that I had the only T1000 stuff I remember. I had the cop version of the T1000. I had that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think now, I mean, there's so much. Obviously, with the with that motorcycle cop helmet. Yeah, I want to say the motorcycle cop T1000. With the evolution of collecting and like um, companies like NECA and stuff like that, like some of the shit now is just insane. Oh yeah, some of the that they have. Yeah, they've released a bunch of Terminator uh, related stuff. Uh, NECA has recently over the past like five or six years. They're just so awesome too. It's really cool. Uh, so final, final thoughts on Terminator 2, guys. Uh, uh, to me, it's one of the greatest films ever made. It surpasses the original. It's one of my favorite films of all time. It's on the short list. Um, 
it's it's just a, it's a phenomenal movie, and uh, like we said, it has uh, themes that people should be paying attention to to this day. Do you guys know? Do you guys know how much this movie made in the box office? No, do you, you want to rattle it off for us or what? Well, I was curious. I knew it was like an insane amount, but I wanted to get the actual figure. So, well, Wikipedia is telling me that it made five hundred and twenty point eight million dollars in the box office. God damn! And bang. it cost. It has a budget of ninety four to one hundred and two million. So it costs quite a bit to make it. Obviously, hundred hundred million dollars. It's no joke. They made they made their money back five times though. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, thinking about that, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, we all know Jimmy, old, old Jimmy don't do it small. No. You know, um, but, uh, obviously, it was huge in the theaters, and, you know, so. But, yeah, final, final thoughts, guys, on, on old T2. After watching it last night, I can now say that maybe I do like it better than the first one. After um, all this time, you're the where you're one of the few people uh, that's been on the holdout, uh, which nothing against it because um, the first one's amazing. But honestly, though, I think it might be depending on which one I'm watching at that moment. True, true. <laughs> I mean, that speaks last, to how great both films are. The last one I watched, or something. Can I just say one more thing? Hilarious that Wikipedia has listed for the release. What? Yeah. If that's if that's okay, yeah. am I bothering you guys? No. Talk. I'm just kidding. It's so it's just funny how it says this. It's basically talking about uh, the world premiere, you know, January, July 1st, 1991, and it's uh, in Century City, Los Angeles, you know, but it says, attending, attended by VIPs, including Nicolas Cage, Christian Slater, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, and his wife, Maria Shriver. Those are like the, those are the four people they say. Nick Cage, Christian Slater, and uh, old, old uh, Schwartz, Arnie. Now that was the the world premiere, but the worldwide release was July third, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's two releases. Yeah, it just says uh, this is a worldwide premiere. This obviously is getting confused because there was a July first ninety one. It's Los Angeles, and then uh, July third ninety three. Or yeah, 90, nineteen. You know, no, July third. Yeah, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. So Sean. Eric, final final thoughts on T two. Obviously, love it. Endless classic. Never get sick of it. Like it's always an easy watch. Oh, easy watch. <laughs> Obviously, love it. Always sick. <laughs> uh, um, no, I mean this movie. Obviously, to any film buff, is is one of the greatest uh, pieces of cinema ever. Uh, James Cameron is a mega producer. Produce, produces mega movies. Uh, directs mega movies. Um, yeah, this is one of the most important action films, one of the most important films in sci-fi and, and altogether, uh, just history. So I think it's, it's, it speaks, uh, to the nineties, but it still holds up now. Um, and yeah, one of the best movies ever made, obviously. So, and that's it. And, uh, Terminator two, man, what a, what an episode, what a film, uh, a great companion piece. Uh, uh, oh, of course, the taglines. Oh, yeah. The taglines. Uh, you know, I'll be back. How many times do you think someone used I'll be back? It did the same thing. How, how many times was that replicated in other movies, television shows, commercials, people just saying it? That's influence in my eyes. Like that, Hasta La Vista, too. Yeah, yeah the Hasta La Vista baby. And uh, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think maybe people don't even realize how much of a, how much of a mark this film left. 
And that that's it. That is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. You can find us on Instagram at Heart Media, Twitter at Heart Media. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes. Download us, stream us, leave reviews. Uh, a couple other places you can download and stream us. Our host, our host, Sean on Instagram. Yeah, Emmy. <laughs> Jorge underscore Hendo three one five. Uh, but yeah, um, you can find us on our host site as well, Anchor. And uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being a part uh, or not being a part, but listening uh, to Terminator Two Judgment Day. And in one, in three, two, one, let's hit it, boys. Three, two, one. Hasta la vista, baby. I thought we were going to deliver it like our